We hope you enjoy this podcast from Light Church Edithburg. To find out more about us, visit lightchurch.co. What a week has been said. Um, what a couple of weeks. It's been a bit like a movie, hasn't it? A bit surreal. How do we respond as a church? And, um, well, we should pray, and we're going to pray soon together over about certain things. We're going to pray for the spread of this virus to stop. We're going to pray for the sick and the vulnerable. We're going to pray for people like health workers on the front line. For our leaders and decision makers, we're going to pray for our community and businesses. Um, For churches, you know, we we can do things pretty well here at the moment because we've got plenty of room here. We've got more than four metres squared. You've probably all got about six today. That's pretty good, isn't it? feeling good about that most places don't so this week at church meeting like this we probably are one of the only ones on the York Peninsula who can do this because um, I'm going to pray for churches I'm going to pray for opportunities to be light that's the name of our church light church see and uh, so we're going to do that um, towards the end of this service and we should look after one another and those around our community and as Ben said, I've noticed various responses. Who's noticed that in our community? <laughs> yeah. uh, some people are blasé. Some people are really trying to help one another. Facebook sites, Love Thy Neighbour, Jess McDonald set one up here trying to connect and help our, our, governors, uh, our government and leaders doing their best. And we're going to do our best to follow their directions. Yeah. And some people are fearful. Um, panic buying, stressed, a bit worried, a bit anxious. The unknown does that. Um, um, some are worried about their finances, their businesses. Um, and fear can even be a bigger issue than the actual virus in some places because it causes anxiety. And we know anxiety causes health problems. Uh, the chemistry of your body goes crazy. Now, we need to recognise that the Bible addresses the concept of fear quite a bit. Uh, I think someone reckons there's 365 accounts of fear not, or something like that in the Bible. I haven't counted them, but I'll take their word for it. Or don't be anxious, fear. 365. So that's one for every day of the year, apart from this year's a leap year, isn't it? Um, Don't worry. And why? Because God knows people are prone to fear and we, when we encounter in, intimidating circumstances. So he says a lot of, don't worry. And uh, so we need to know that that response might be strange, but it's pretty normal. Anxiety and worry and reacting a bit strangely is, is normal. And it... And it it can actually distract us or even paralyze us. I remember after I saw Jaws as a kid. I was about 10 when I saw Jaws. Why my parents took me to that, I don't know. I don't know, 12, maybe 14, I can't remember now. But I do remember every time I went spearfishing after that and I heard the music in my head, I, I soon got out the water. Um, I never saw uh, the animal come, but it was it was the fear that, that changed my behaviour. Now, the Bible says a lot of fear not, for I am with you. Um, 
But I want to say that that's actually not so much a command or a, a reprimand for lack of faith, but it's supposed to be a, more of a statement of comfort because it usually comes with something else. Fear not for anyone. I am, I am with you. Fear not for I am with you. And um, the answer to fear is to know God is with us. Psalm 23, I'm sure you, most of you would heard, have read that. We're going to put that up just verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. And then he says, why? Because you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect me. So the thing was real. The valley was dark. But there was a reason why he didn't fear, and that's because who he was with. So God was with the psalmist in the valley. God was with the three in the fiery furnace. God was with Paul in prison. God was with David when he was tackling Goliath. And God is with you in the pandemic. And uh, now, I would rather just God take things away. That I didn't have to go through any situations that might cause me anxiety. But I've noticed more often they're not, well, always that God shows up in whatever situation is causing us anxiety. And his presence is a thing that deals with anxiety. Uh, okay, imagine you're eight years old. Okay, some of you will have a little bit harder. Take your memory back, you're eight-year-old, you're in the playground, and then those three 11-year-old bullies come. Some of you even remember their names. You're in the playground, and they're, you know, you're right, they're 11, so they're a lot bigger than you. And you start to get fearful, anxiety, worry, you want to escape. And then you look around and you re remember that your 40-year-old bodybuilder dad is with you. And something changes, and you remember, even though I walked through the valley of the sandpit of swings and slippery, slippery dips with three bullies, I will fear no evil because he is with me. Uh, it's the awareness of our Father's presence which is really the antidote to fear. Now, in that playground, you know, the bullies were still there. But, but Dad was there. And they looked pretty intimidating when I focused on them. But when I focused... When I took my focus and put it on my father, they didn't look as powerful. And, and our focus deals with our fear. Um, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 is a, is a very, I suppose, common scripture that's read out about fear. And I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear... But he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment and personal discipline. Abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. I like that in the Amplified because different versions try to pull different parts out of it. But this sort of grabs what, what the words mean. So this, this verse was actually addressing a problem. Paul was writing to Timothy and Timothy was having a problem. He was being intimidated by certain things that were happening. He was doubting his ability. 
And, uh, and Paul was writing to Timothy. Paul was saying, if you, hey, you might be experiencing fear and worry, uh, Timothy, but that intimidation is not from God. In fact, God has given you this to deal with that. Love. You know, uh, not just the spirit of comfort for us, but love, love is a flow-through thing. If it's not a flow-through thing, it becomes stagnant and stinky. You know, like, it's, a, it's, it's, it's how we receive and how we act and conduct our life. Spirit of love. I am loved and I will love others. And love is actually, even though we receive it from God, is an outward, it's an outward expression. And fear causes us to look inward and look after me. Where love causes us to look after others. Fear causes us to, you know, hoard and all that sort of stuff. But love does the opposite because love is about generosity. God so loved the world that he gave. He loved him, you know, you can love this much, this much, this much, but God so loved that much that he gave. So the giving is actually the highest expression of love. Um, and that's the opposite to fear, is to, to give to others. A spirit of love. And it says he's given us a spirit of love, power. Power. You know, the word for power is the word, Greek word dunamis, where we get the word dynamite. Yeah, kaboomba. And um, it means the ability to achieve something. That's what it really means. If you look in the definition, your Bible dictionary of the word dunamis, it says something like this. Strength, ability, uh, power for, for performing miracles, moral power for an excellence of your soul, the power to influence, the power to... Uh, that riches and wealth has power and resources arising um, the power that sits on armies so it's talking about this ability that's that's the word dunamis and guess what ladies it's a fem feminine word in the greek so go hey dynamite take that one so this isn't talking about preservation it's not talking about hiding. It's talking about taking ground. It's actually the opposite to fear and hoarding. Um, Acts 1 verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's the word dunamis, the same word. There's a couple of words for power. One is, means authority, as in power, but this one actually means power to get something done. Um, love, power, and a sound mind. How's your mind? Are you... Let me look across. Yeah. We're only about 20% crazy here, aren't we? A sound mind. The Amplified said, sound judgment, personal discipline, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. That's, that's what that word means. God is with me. God is with me means I can have peace. It's, it's our sort of personal atmosphere, our eternal atmosphere and what we take with us. Who knows you can change the atmosphere in a place when you walk in? Who's ever walked into a, into a room and thought, gee, you can cut the atmosphere with a knife? Yeah, well, it's the opposite of that. It's where you, you walk in and actually you, you are an influencer where you actually change the atmosphere. And we, we can do that. It's how we conduct ourselves. It's actually the opposite to panic, isn't it? 
And I've heard, I've heard it said that fear is the opposite to faith, and I think there's some truth in that. But many people did things in faith but when they were scared. Who's, who's ever obeyed God when you're scared? It says of Gideon, you know, he had really low self-image, and he obeyed God, but he only did it at night so no one would see him. At least he did. So you can do things scared, that's okay. Um, so he had sort of faith that, to obey God, but he was still a bit scared. Um, but our fears can be overcome so they're not the guiding influence of our life. So Gideon obeyed God. He, did it, he was a bit scared, but he didn't let that, that fear direct him or control him. It's not the biggest person in the, in the playground. Your fear isn't the biggest person. Love, power, well-ordered mind, a, a peace, peacefulness. You know, God is with us on various levels. Now, God is with you whether you believe it or not. If you're breathing air, you know God is with you. He gave it to you. If he takes it away, yeah, that's the end of you. And whether you believe it, God is with you. God says, the Bible says he's omnipresent. I mean, you can go anywhere and God is there. That's what it's saying. So God is with us in that sense all the time. And in the playground, let's go back to the playground. You know, Dad is always there. But it would have made no difference to the fear level if I didn't firstly acknowledge that my Dad was there. But what if Dad was there and he was just like indifferent? not caring, just on his mobile phone, wasn't noticing what was happening. Even though he's there, it wouldn't make any difference to your fear level because, yeah, I know he's there. So it's really important to know that, not that just that God is with me, but also God loves me and cares for me. And that's the key, more than believing God's with us. Because um, a lot of people believe, and I'm sure you believe this, challenge me. I believe God can bless somebody, but I'm not too sure about myself. We have this different expectation of ourselves because somehow we think, yeah, God cares for them, but I want to let you know that you are loved and you are cared for by God. Um, and this is really important because 1 John 4 verse 18 says this. It's talking about fear. It says, perfect love casts out all fear. So it's not so much faith that gets rid of fear, but love does. Tell you what, um, knowing you are loved is the best answer to deal with fear. Because God is not just with me, but God actually cares for me. Uh, he watches over me. I can have peace when I know that. I, I, I'm convinced this was a key for even Jesus. You only read a few times where the audible voice seemed to come from heaven when Jesus was around. That's recorded anyway. I think maybe three times. Could be wrong. Two of those times, God said the same thing. And he said this. You might have heard this when Jesus was baptised. This is my son whom I love, who I'm well pleased. Best interpretation of that verse is... This is my son who am I love and who I delight in. It's like when you've got a little baby, you delight in them. That, that's the picture. They haven't done anything to really, you know, impress you. They haven't done the dishes. So you're not pleased because 
they've done something, it's more like, you know, they're my child and I delight in them. So that's the picture. Two times when God spoke audibly, he said that. Now, I would have thought if I was God and Jesus and the whole thing, if God was going to speak audibly with other people could hear it, I'd probably say something different. You know, this guy, he's going to die and he's going to be redeem the world, going to cause forgiveness to come everywhere. You know, the real big important things. But no, the most important thing for Jesus to know that he was part of the family, identity, my son, whom I love, that security, who I delight in, he even likes me. And uh, I, I think it was a key that Jesus heard that twice, right, once before he even started his ministry and once when he was at the pinnacle on the mountain of transfiguration. The voice of love and security. When we know we're loved, it we, gives us incredible confidence. It deals with fear. And I like to think, you know, perfect love casts out fear. Now, who's got like 12 kids? And back in the day, we all used to sit on the back seat. You'd probably fit five in across the back seat. But then the big, you know, the big neighbour comes in and they jump in and there's only one way they're going to get in and that's if something gets out. You know what I'm talking about? Perfect love casts out fear. They both don't fit in the same space. So that's the picture. Uh... In the book of Philippians, Paul, there's only four small chapters, Paul's writing from prison and he had a lot to fear because he was about to be executed. So this is his situation. So sometimes we forget when we're reading it because if you read the, the short five books of Philippians, he uses the word joy 16 times, four books, four chapters He's in, the, in prison waiting probably for execution and he used, managed to use the word joy 16 times. How does that happen? Um, he had a very uncertain future, but he had a very certain joy. It didn't, didn't make sense. And joy and peace are very related, very related. You can't have joy without peace. And... Uh, you know, it's, they sort of go hand in hand. They're like two sides of a coin. And we've got the famous scripture, which if you've heard me speak over the last couple of years, you would have heard this uh, quite, quite a few times, where, where Paul says in, I think we've got it, chapter 4, verse 6, don't worry about anything. Your Bible might say, be anxious for nothing. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. Very good. Don't just tell him what you need. Thank him for what he's done. That's more important actually than telling him what you need because that changes your focus on how big God is. Instead of being need focused, we become supply focused. As soon as you start to thank him. Then you will experience God's peace. Now, it doesn't say you'll work it up in your mind, you'll do a study on it, you'll sort of confess it 20 times and hope it comes down. It's actually you experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. So it's not a, not a mind thing. His peace will guard your heart and your mind. Hey, we know that. Thoughts, emotions. As we live in Christ Jesus. Um... 
So Paul had this confidence. He's in prison, he's talking about joy, and he writes this. And he's writing this for the benefit of others. <laughs> and later in this same chapter, there's a verse which, two verses which is on some people's fridge. Uh, let's go to verse 12. Paul, Paul says this. I know how to live on almost nothing and with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Wow. Now that's the one we put on our fridge. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Context is pretty important. Context was in a prison facing death. Hey, whatever happens to me, I know God's got it. I've had lots, I've had little, even in prison. You know, he was thanking them for an offering because in those days, if you didn't have someone bring you food, you didn't have food in prison because he was thanking them for that. So he's had little, he's had lots, and, but I can do it through Christ who gives me strength. And if you go down a couple more verses, it's the other, it's the other verse people put on their fridge, and it's this one. And the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which has been given to us in Jesus Christ. And uh, most of the ones on the old fridge says something like this. Uh, what does it say? Yeah. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. We like to put that on our fridge too. This is the context. This is the context. My God, he'll get you what you need because he's got stuff you don't know about. And even when he doesn't have it, he can sort of make it or make it happen. Uh, perfect love casts out all fear. Uh, this, this is a key for us personally, but it's also a key for us to carry into our community. Let's be carriers of peace. Let's be carriers. Uh, know that God is with you, cares for you, and take that to others. We can take peace to our community. And it can be expressed in lots of ways, by their, you know, loving your neighbour through our conversations, through our interactions. And if you need this peace for yourself, you know what I do? I just get into a place of worship and a transaction happens. Thank God. Lord, I'm worried about this. Tell him what I need. Thank him what he's done. And then a divine exchange happens. Another part of that chapter says, now think about the things that are pure and lovely. There's a... There's a, there's, our mind works with it as well, as well as the supernatural piece. He says, don't go back to where you started. Think about the things that are good. I read Philippians chapter 4. It starts off with this. Rejoice. And again I say rejoice. And he says, don't worry about anything. Uh, great verse. Great chapter. Um, Lord, I thank you for these, these principles. And I pray that we will get them for ourselves, but we'll also be carriers, if you like, of peace. Uh, we'll be people who maybe change an atmosphere for someone else, maybe bring, bring an answer to a need. That We will be the church, the light of the world, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, now, I just want to give you a few moments about what might be ahead of us. Now, the situation is ever-changing. Who's noticed that? And we need to do the right thing in this season. Now, 
unless something drastically changes in the line it's going at the moment, it's, it's probably going to be very unlikely we might be able to meet next week. That's just the facts. I'm just giving you a heads up. Now, things could change, but the trajectory it's going, it's probably not. So I just want us to, let's, let's prepare for that. And uh, if things change, when good. They're good. Um, as I said before, we're one of the few groups who could meet today. Up at Millington Church, they had to go online because their room's not big enough. Up at Kadena Church, they were in the car park. Uh, most, and, uh, most of our you know, community things just aren't happening. Um, so I want us to understand a couple of things. One, the church isn't a building. The building's where we meet. People are the church. You are the church. Actually, the, the best defi- definition for the word church is this. A group of people called out to follow Jesus and make him known. That's, that's sort of what the, the word church actually means. It never ever meant a building. Um, and every time there's been a challenge in history, it's been an opportunity for the church to grow in some way. The early church grew. You know how the early church grew? When they were got, started to get persecuted and had to leave Jerusalem. So they took it all around the world. That's, um, and every time there's been challenges through history, through different things... Um, Often they've been catalysts for even revivals amongst people because their hearts turn to bigger things. People's hearts turn to bigger things. So, for us, don't go internal. Get ready for God to move through you. Now, as a church, as Ben said before, we want to communicate well. Um, can you put that picture back up of our phone numbers? If you haven't received a text from me this week, send me a text right now. Get your phone out. That's if you want communication from us. If you don't want communication. But if you haven't received that, and maybe I've got the wrong number or something, or an old number, send a text to me and say, this is Fred, and uh, make sure I'm included. And because we want to get the message out to what's happening, we might even use mail. Yeah, like paper. We might even go there. We'll be using a lot more social media and text and uh, we'll be producing some videos even on, to go online. Devotions, um, some music. Some, I'm going to put something in the form of what I've done today on a couple of maybe 10-minute slots or something. Do that sort of thing. And the things we put out there won't be focused just on us, church. They'll actually be focused and designed to reach people in our community who might not even be thinking about God. So when you see that, you understand what we're doing there. And I'm hoping that our that online presence will give people a taste of church that will cause them to investigate more at some point in time. And in this time, as Ben said, I want to reiterate, it's really important to stay connected to one another. Um, you can text and stuff, but who's got a phone? Do you know you can actually speak on those things as well? Do you know you can do that? Did you know you could do that? People under 20, did you know you can actually speak on a phone? Yeah, you can. Um, and I think it's pretty important that we, especially of those who can't, some groups can't meet in the house because your house isn't big enough anymore. So let's get on the phone or whatever we need to do to, 
touch base with one another. And this will be really important. And I, I, I feel that this season will be a catalyst to empower and equip the church, that's us, to minister, which is actually, you know what my primary role of a pastor is? Some people have all sorts of ideas of what they think a pastor should do. Everything. Let's put up that verse. Got one more, I think, from Ephesians, Andrew. Did I give it to you? Why didn't I give it to you? Ephesians 4, verse 11. Can you see if you can stick that up? And 12? Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. I'll just wait for him to get it because I want to read it for, you, for yourself. Okay, here we go. Now these are the gifts Christ gave the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. So that's sort of, I fit somewhere in there. Their responsibility, my responsibility, is to equip God's people to do the work and build up the church. So my job is to equip you, if you've got an older Bible, it says to do the work of the ministry. That's what it says. Um, to build up. So that's, I think, you know, particularly in this season we're coming, this is going to be really important. So I see, I know a lot of you touch a lot of people and minister, but I believe you're going to be more affected than ever. So that's what I'm hoping for and believing for. Um, ben, you want to lead us in prayer? Right. Just before we pray, um, you know, we're doing our best to, to respond and connect and get out information and, and lead people. And there'll be people at these services today who won't be here, who we don't have contact details with. And I'd love you just to take a bit of ownership. And if there's someone who pops into church now and then, and, and uh, you know, we've never needed everyone's details because it's never happened. And I'm not big on getting everyone. Some churches you go to, they want all your life story. We're not like that. But sometimes in times like this, it's helpful to have a few details. Maybe you can take that ownership. If you know someone who maybe isn't connected in that way, maybe you could send them our number, tell them where to connect, and help us just to look after and connect people. Is that all right? Awesome. Hey, we're going to pray. Maybe the most Christian thing we can do in this time. Hey, I love you, John. We're going to pray for a number of areas. Uh, I'm going to lead us, but we're going to pray together because we are the church. Your prayers are just as powerful as mine. We're all sons and daughters of God. God, we, we just lift up this situation, this virus to you. And in the name of Jesus, we command the spread to stop. We, we command the curve to stop. Lord God, we take a hold of it and we declare your health. We declare your restoration. We just declare a shield over protection over our families, over our communities, over our nation. Lord, I just declare a healing. God, I pray for those who are sick, who are vulnerable for different illnesses, uh, a different immunity. God, I just declare a protection for them. Lord, in this season, God, I just pray protection over their mind, over their body, that nothing will come against them in the name of Jesus. God, we pray for our health workers, those in the front line. I pray for peace of mind. I pray for peace for their body, peace for their families, Lord God. I pray as they're working, as they're involved in this, God, you'll lead them, you'll look after. 
after them, Lord. I pray for our leaders in our nation, those making decisions, Lord God. Give them wisdom, give them guidance, give them a grace for this season. Let them be anointed to lead throughout this, to make decisions that are not just best in the wisdom, but the wisdom of the Lord. God, we pray for our community. We pray for our businesses. There will be an economic hit, Lord God, but I just declare your provision from heaven, your guidance from heaven. Lord God, our region will be blessed, Lord God, I pray for those who maybe go without in different times. God, I pray for a blessing. God, I pray for blessings from the, the, the budget. I pray for blessings in form of handouts, Lord God. I pray for things that come into people's lives that will be able to continue to live how they need to live, Lord God. We pray for churches across our region, that churches will not drop. They will grow in the name of Jesus. That churches will not, but the body of Christ will be empowered. They will rise up. They will love people. They will spread the gospel. They will reach out. God, we pray for opportunity in this season to shine your light, to spread the gospel. God, I pray for every devotion that goes online, every video that goes online will spread hundreds and thousands across our region. That hearts will turn towards you. That in this season, heart hurts will turn soft. In this season, seeds will be planted that will change eternities. In this season, Lord God, the church will grow. In this season, people will find freedom. In this season, marriages will be restored. In this season, people will make decisions to follow you. This won't be a season of less, it'll be a season of more. It'll have more influence in the long term. It'll have more blessing in the long term because you grow your church, Lord. It is the body of Christ. It's not the body of a man or a woman. It's the body of Christ. The Lord grows his church. It's your church. It is your word. It is your community, Jesus. And we declare heaven to come. God, even though if we have to uh, not meet together, we'll feel stronger than ever. We'll sense your presence more than ever. There'll be unity than ever before. God, I pray that you put on our hearts people to connect with, people to encourage, people to reach out to. God, give us ears to your eyes, see hearts to perceive your word for us in our season, for our church, our community. We thank you, we praise you. You are the Lord of Lords. You are the King of Kings. You are above all. We declare it. I'm just going to read a, a few passages over your psalm. 91 verse 9. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you, no plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. Number 624. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favour and give you his peace. I declare it over us in the name of of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Go in faith, go in love. God's good. Take care, guys.